So um, I want to welcome everyone to uh, Inspiration and Adaptation, the Nell Street Art Center's weekly dialogues to illuminate current issues and empower audiences across Alaska and beyond with creative strategies for maneuvering challenging times. Today is the third in a five-week series of conversations on Indigenous land acknowledgement. I'm Asia Freeman, Art Artistic Director of Bunnell Street Art Center and a lifelong visitor to this land called Tuget by the Denina, meaning shore or at the water. Tuget is the name for the place settlers called Bishop's Beach after George Bishop, who starting in the mid 1900s, operated the inlet trading post now home to Bunnell Street Art Center. The process of erasing and overriding indigenous place names is a strategy of colonization and white supremacy. Today, as we acknowledge that we owe the opportunity to live in this place to the indigenous people who have stewarded these lands since time immemorial, we lift up this name and discuss how we can permanently acknowledge Denina and Supiak lands with local artist, Arjun Kvaznikov. He is Benel's new board president, born in Homer. He's a member of the Minilchik village tribe. And joining both of us today are several civic leaders and volunteers and staff for the city of Homer, for U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and from the Ninilchik Village Tribe. Before we go around with self-introductions, I want to thank you all for your time and expertise in helping to facilitate a permanent Indigenous land acknowledgement in the form of Argent sculpture in Tuget and Homer. And many of you have previously demonstrated interest in land acknowledgement through community workshops that Benel presented in May and June with Melissa Shaganoff. As you introduce yourselves, um, I invite each of our panelists today to share what land acknowledgement means to you and why you've chosen to support this effort. And I just want to begin with Argent. Thank you. Um, hello, I'm Argent Kwasnikov. I'm I, like Asia said, I'm on the uh, board of the Benel Arts Center as, as well now, which is a wonderful opportunity. And I'm so um, grateful to have been invited to that. Um, and I, I am kind of the designer of this kind of proposal that kicked off this civic conversation. And what land acknowledgement means to me is I think it's I, I see it as almost like a conceptual sewing kit where we take some of these ideas and, and history and knowledge and try to make sense of them together so everybody can kind of understand them in maybe not necessarily a, a totally unified vision, but a, a vision which gives everybody context and understanding of where they are in place and also in the context of time uh, because I think to learn about these different names and, and even different modern names um, can only serve to help you um, kind of go forward with your own vision and, and how you contribute to the world. Um, so, and thank you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Arjun. Um, I'd like to welcome Ivan and Saluski um, from the Ninilchik um, Village Tribe, the CEO. Um, to join us today and, and share an, a self-introduction. Thank you, Ivan. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity um, to be here today. Um, my name is Ivan Enzelski. I'm the Executive Director of the Ninilchik Tradition Council, um, governing body of the Ninilchik Village, um, a tribal council. 
um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I was able to participate in the land acknowledgement and uh, uh, certainly appreciate uh, all your efforts and and um, Argent uh, as well and and everyone here today. You know, land acknowledgement is important as we talked about. Uh, you know, it's a recognition of our indigenous peoples, uh, um, our land, the history, the culture, and um, you know, we talk about at, at the tribe, um, you know, continuation of a cultural way of life. And I think it's important to, um, you know, support and appreciate, um, you know, where we are, uh, the history of our people. Um, and, it, you know, it's just a good opportunity um, to really, you know, um, put forth um, our people and, and do a recognition and a sharing. Uh, I think it's uh, just been uh, really interesting, uh, really, really excited to be a part of this. And, um, you know, to promote our, our, our language and people and gives us pride, you know, and, and, uh, and I think it's just, uh, just a wonderful opportunity. So thank you for allowing me to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I'd like to welcome Marion Applin um, from the Islands and Ocean Visitor Center of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Welcome, Marianne. Thank you. I'm with Alaska Maritime National Wildlife Refuge, and I'm here to respectfully listen and learn. Um, we are stewards of land across coastal Alaska, and we recognize that we're um, stewards of land that um, Alaska Native people have been um, walking on and, and living from and um, for thousands of years. And so we want to recognize that and, and learn more about how we can be uh, in working in concert with our partners in those uh, communities. Thanks so much for your presence here and, and ongoing support, Marianne. We're honored to be here, thank you. Wonderful. Um, I'd like to welcome um, Rika Mao from um, Donnell's board. And Rika, as many of you may know, is an artist and she is also a trained landscape architect. And so she brings a lot of capacity to this project. Thank you, Rika. You need to unmute. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. There you go, thanks. Thank you and good morning. It really is an honor to be a part of this group. Um, I think of land acknowledgement as really a, a connection that indigenous peoples have had with the land since always. And um, it, I'm so interested in it because I feel so connected to the land and those who have stewarded this land from for thousands and thousands of years. Um, and to uh, connect with that population and honor that population. So um, I am especially excited to work with Argent on this project and with each of you. Um, and it will more securely root me in this land as well. So um, I just wanna help others get reconnected to the land or connect it. Thank you, it's really an honor. Thank you, Rika. I'd like to welcome Donna Adderholt from Homer City Council. Thank you, Donna, for, for joining us and for the perspective you bring. Hi, Donna Adderholt. Um, I wear a number of different hats around here, but um, I think here representing, or I'm not representing anybody. I am a city council member. I'm just representing myself. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be a part of this project. Um, 
and to, to see it through. I'm just the little bit that I know of Arjun's work is really, <laughs> really spectacular. And um, land acknowledgement is, you know, I'm, I'm relatively new to land acknowledgement and it, um, it, it's something that is really grounding to me and um, makes me realize how little I know and how much I have to learn and um, makes me want to learn more. Thank you so much, Donna. Um, we also have joining us today, Matt Steffi from the City of Homer um, Parks Department. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Awesome. Thank you. So glad to be here. Um, so I'm here also as a land steward and um, just hoping to facilitate uh, um, what we can as far as um, providing access to public lands and uh, any logistical support we can provide, but mostly just here to uh, learn and uh, appreciate being part of the process. Um, definitely uh, uh, Alaskan history fan and a local Alaskan history fan. And um, just looking forward to supporting this in any way that we can and glad to be part of it. Brilliant, we're so grateful, Matt. And I would like to welcome Robert Archibald from the City of Homer's um, Parks Committee. Robert, you might need to unmute. There. There we go. Good morning. It's a little better. Thanks, Asia. As she said, I am on the City Parks and Rec Commission, but I'm also on the on the uh, Kachemak Bay State Park Citizens Advisory Board. So I'm going to draw a lot of this information into my my thinking, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this discussion because. Uh, the history of Alaska is a huge book and a lot of people do not take the time to read it. And uh, I'm really thankful that this project is getting off the ground and I think Homer is a great place to do it because we do have people that care and uh, it's gonna be a great educational thing for everybody in the town. So thank you so much. I'm thank looking you. forward to it. Thank you, Robert. And. Um, as the final kind of panelist today, um, unless Julie Ingebretson from the city of Homer's planning department is also able to join us. I know she has another meeting, so she may pop in, but um, I, we are very fortunate as well to have Deb Lowney. Deb is a former board member for Bunnell Street Arts Center, and she also serves on the city of Homer's um, park commission. And welcome Deb, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um, first of all, thank you, Asia and Benel, for um, promoting these conversations. Um, my real interest right now is just learning and learning as much as I possibly can. So the opp these opportunities are incredible. As a member of the Parks and Rec Commission, we're advisory to the city. And when I look at a project of this nature, uh, I get really excited because to me, we're making decisions or advisory uh, decisions going to city council in reference to the green spaces, our gathering spaces in this community. And when we have that opportunity to create a, a, uh, a statement that attaches our history to those spaces and help educate our community uh, and visitors to our community about the history of this place, about the history of this land, to me, it's just huge. And so I'm just really excited to potentially have just a small voice in promoting 
uh, projects of this nature. And uh, Argent, I greatly look forward to the continuation of your work here. Yeah, it's phenomenal. So thank you. Thank you, Deb. I'd like to acknowledge um, some of our um, participants today that have done a great deal of work in the background um, in our community to set up the opportunity for these types of dialogues. Um, Scott Bartlett, who's the executive director of the Arts Council, has a really longstanding um, commitment to this kind of work. And I just want to acknowledge and thank you for your presence here today, Scott, and for the work that you've done. And if you want to chime in at any point and become more involved in this process, we heartily welcome you. Thank you. It's great to be here and participate. I'm excited to, to learn more about the project. Fantastic. I can support. Thank you. And and finally, underpinning all of this work, we have Adele Person, the executive director of Bunnell Street Art Center. And Adele has had such a deep and passionate involvement in the work that we do that relates to the land and to stewarding community connections that support um, land stewardship, land acknowledgement, and um, connections like these. So I just want to thank you, Adele, for your work and uh, for your presence here today. You're so kind, Asia. <laughs> Couldn't do it without you. So this conversation aims to review and clarify where our process is in land acknowledgement of Tuget and how we may move forward. Our dialogue aims to be transparent, educational, and an opportunity for ourselves and interested community members to learn about the process and get more involved. It is recorded for Bunnell's podcast and shared out to our constituents. So I'll approach it as a facilitator leading out with questions and we invite your questions as well and encourage you to weigh in and speak up as desired. So I'll begin by stating that last fall before Arjun Gvaznikov joined Bunnell's board in anticipation of his December exhibit at Bunnell, we had many conversations and inspired by these, he submitted a quite compelling proposal to create a sculptural landmarker at Tuket with Bunnell's board support. I sought and received funding from the National Performance Network, the Social Justice Fund of the Alaska Community Foundation and Rasmussen Foundation to support things like these conversations, the outreach and investments associated with this effort. And I also sought the blessing of the Ninilchik Tribal Council to proceed. And then we've reached out to all of you to ask how you might be interested in this project. So let's begin by elaborating some of the things that we've discussed in our previous uh, meeting. What are the values that we um, articulated in placing and situating the sculpture at Tuget? And I'd like to invite um, Donna to begin, if you would. Um, we discussed um, the location in some detail and I, I was moved by your thoughts around accessibility, Donna. Would you be willing to jump in on that? on that topic? Sure. Um, as, as a member of the Homer City Council, I'm also um, a member of the, uh, the city's Americans with Disabilities Act Compliance Committee, which formed um, a couple of years ago um, to uh, really evaluate accessibility of all of um, the city of Homer's buildings and uh, resources such as voting, which is voting is actually how we ended up becoming being formed. But um, as a part of that, we, we also um, evaluated every 
every building in the, in the city for accessibility. And being a part of that committee uh, really gave me, or just really opened my eyes to what accessibility really means and what a barrier to accessibility is. And so to me in putting uh, um, this artwork uh, in a public space um, at Bishop's Beach um, is, it's, it's important to make sure that it is accessible to, to everybody so that everybody has the opportunity to learn uh, what this, this artwork will, um, will convey. Thank you. Um, I'd like to ask Marianne to talk a little bit about location and the um, considerations that we, we've discussed around the importance of a location in relationship to existing um, islands and ocean trails. Do you wanna speak to that, Marianne? Um, boy, I'm not, I'm not sure what I have to add there um, other than that we're, um, I, I know we talked about um, having the, an art installation in a place that people could see it as they um, came off or, uh, or came onto the trail. And so we have a, we have a spot that I think we're looking pretty hard at for the potential installation that had an existing interpretive um, sign on it. And it's, um, it's, a, it's a pretty natural gathering spot. Um, and so would, I think, naturally draw people to it. So um, yeah, the, the, I'm really interested in, in our artist's vision and, and how he sees people experiencing it and developing that spot so that it's a welcoming place for people um, to be able to uh, have the mindset to be able to take that pretty big idea in. Interpretive signage um, can convey ideas that are, um, you know, sort of an aha moment. That's an interesting um, idea about um, the natural world, or they can um, create. They can also convey really deep meanings. And I, I think what Arjun is working on is going to be a pretty big deal. <laughs> so, so site preparation and thinking carefully about where that's going to be and how people are experiencing it will be really important. Thanks, Marianne. And I just remember how you pointed out, we don't want this location, we don't want it to be lost on anybody. Like we're gonna make this big effort, let's make it visible. And Deb, Deb Lani, I wanted to invite you to elaborate a little bit more about visibility and some of the things that you brought to our discussion around locating the sculpture. You might need to unmute. <clears throat> One of the things I've been thinking about as you enter that space of Bitches Beach, and many people enter it via driving. And so one of my thoughts is making sure that the minute you pull into that parking lot, it is just a piece that you see. It can't be blocked by vehicles parking in front of it, whatever it may be. And I'm toying with the idea of maybe we need to realign the parking somehow so that as you come in, that is a focal point. It draws you right to it. How we do that, I don't know yet, but I'd certainly like to uh, consider that. The, for me, it's so important that visitors to Bishop's Beach are drawn to this art piece, this educational piece, and they can expand further out if the mobility, if the interest draws them out there. But no matter what, 
this will be, as we said, the gathering space. And so visibility is key for that, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And from the pathway entering, if people are entering via walking, it's the exact same thing. So taking down some of the excess signage that is more um, city signage and moving that off to a different area so it doesn't interfere with the actual art piece, the connection to the art piece, um, is to me is really important. And I think Marianne, you brought that up as we were uh, standing there looking at the visual spot of really trying to condense the clutter and open it up to embracing the art and the, the space that we're honoring. Hmm. Thanks, Deb. Robert, I remember walking around with you and you spent a lot of time looking at different elevations and locations from proximity to the water, to the slough. And would you share some of the considerations that kind of brought you toward the particular spot that we ended up sort of prioritizing at this point? Make sure you're sure. unmuted. Sure, Asia. And uh, we did, we spent 45 minutes out there walking around and looking at spots in towards the slough and then on the berm and then the ocean side of the berm. And we were looking at the view that you would get from a certain spot to where you could look across the bay and up the bay and what would be the most meaningful for aesthetic reasons. And then uh, we started thinking about high tide and winter storms and uh, not having any damage done by mother nature to uh, this particular piece of art. So that's kind of why we ended up in the spot that we chose, I do believe. It's probably going to be uh, the most weather resistant of that area around there and provide the best, the best view and the best spot for this particular work of art. And I think that that spot in that parking area uh, as things go on might be the best, but you know, we're always open to other suggestions. So it's kind of a interesting area down there, but uh, yeah, we had a great discussion. Thanks. Thank you, Robert. Um, Rika, please um, chime in and add considerations that you brought to the dialogue around what is the right side, especially around avoiding disturbance of the natural habitat. Um, make sure you're unmuted. Thank you, Asia. I think that was the one point I was going to add to Robert's comment is that, and Robert brought it out, is wherever we put this piece, we would be drawing people to it. And for that reason, we didn't want to um, invade natural vegetation and encourage people to go where we really wanted to save the landscape. So that was the final point, and, and I think we landed on it. It's the best view, it's the most protected, and it's protecting the natural vegetation and not drawing people into it. And there was another consideration about the cranes in the slough. And if we brought people out too far, it would um, create some um, invasion there. So this spot, is so perfect. And I guess what I came away with is that visually, if we could, as stated before, get rid of all the signage that conflicts with your vision, and if we could consolidate it, 
um, and make it all work because all of the signs are saying things that people need to be aware of. Um, so I really look forward to working with the city in cleaning up the visual aspect of it and giving the focus where we want it to be with the view and the wayfinding sculpture and and the whole picture. So I think we really picked a, a wonderful spot. It's great. Excellent. Thank you, Rika. Matt, um, could you sort of describe specifically mm -hmm. where that that yeah. spot is and and um, what you've already um, uh, been involved with in helping to prepare that, that, that site? Yeah, certainly. So coming down into Bishop's Beach where the parking lot opens up to the left or the right, or you can go straight and go out onto the beach, off to the left towards the slough, um, we picked a site, uh, as Marianne said, where there was an older uh, interpretive installation that we have gone down and removed, um, along with a few other things. Uh, uh, and we're, I think it's a good location, as we've talked about already here, that there is a real balance between wanting to add to the setting at Bishop's Beach without taking away from it at the same time. And as a parks administrator, I appreciate that location. And as you modify a landscape, then you reconsider the other stuff that's already there and, and, and what your overall layout is. And then as a natural resource specialist, I really appreciate um, respecting the, you know, the, the slew there and the, the protected lands that we don't wanna see damaged um, by increasing it. Um, so I thought it was a really fascinating conversation as we walked around and reviewed the pros and cons of each of the different uh, potential sites. Um, and I definitely think we settled on um, a really good one. And um, yes, those porta cans should be moved anytime now. Um, those are certainly not a permanent installation. Um, and uh, I look forward to the conversation of just sort of realigning that um, the whole visuals and uh, you know, it's a, a big fan of art and parks and Bishop's Beach definitely has a bit from the windsock bird to the mural to the poems along the boardwalk and i think this is just going to be another component of that to help sort of develop the cultural face of bishop's beach wonderful thanks for those comments matt and for also bringing to light the past um, efforts and collaborations that we've been fortunate to be a part of as Benel street art center working with the city and with um, islands and ocean Robert, did you have um, something you wanted to add to the, the considerations that have been brought up, the values we've expressed? Well, as listening to Matt and uh, we're taking down signage and I'm just wondering if people are thinking about how we're going to replace that because I don't wanna change the conversation at all about what the topic is here, but. I hope that people do realize that signage is important to try and make the public do what we wish out there. So how we can blend it in, in a meaningful way that is, you know, that the public will see needs to be thought about also. So how that blends in with this artwork, I, uh, I think we need to think about. So that's all I wanted to say is you, thanks. Yeah, I'm really glad that you that you brought that up because we, we definitely don't want to neglect it and we don't want important information to be disappeared or or um, sort of like uh, overwhelmed by other efforts. So that's critical. All of the, the discussion we've had so far kind of gets me excited. We're sort of setting the stage 
for the sculpture. And I, I wanted to ask Arjun to describe what the sculpture would look like <laughs> after all this. Um, tell us a little bit about it. What are its main features? Um, sure. So, um, uh, and first of all, and thank you again for, for everybody being here and, and hearing these ideas in the little um, short tour that the few of us had um, to, to do some site location was actually really inspiring for me because I kind of realized that the context of this project was going to be so much more about um, not necessarily a feature, but but part of the narrative behind the place. And, and I didn't quite grasp that until that day. And so mm -hmm. I, I think that is such a really uh, moving, uh, welcoming invitation for that. And so I can't be appreciative enough. Um, and to kind of loosely describe it, what I have proposed, that there's a lot that goes into it. So I'll try to be brief and, and I will be um, uh, sharing, you know, via both my website and maybe potentially Benel's um, some further details with some additional sketches and kind of backup information. But my, when I was first approached about this project, I actually came up with a visual fairly quickly that was based on trail markers because uh, as people know, a lot of our backwoods trails on the South Peninsula uh, have been historically marked with um, just very informal, small um, um, stone cairns or markers. And, um, and those have been used uh, by our local culture for also a long period of time. And so I wanted to take that, but I also wanted to uh, make it in a shape that harmonizes with the spruce trees, um, because those are something you can see in every angle in this region. And so I wanted to kind of play with those shapes to make like this almost slightly Christmas tree-esque graduated shape that's both um, a created stone marker with a more tree-like um, orientation to kind of really complement the, the natural scenery. And the materials, that I am thinking of doing this in, hopefully, um, is something that is reminiscent of sea glass. And I really like the idea of going for some type of sea glass look because what this area uh, means to people and, and also its modern context has so much to do with um, oceanic navigation and travel and and history, and I really want to honor um, Homer specifically. It's where I was born, and I really like um, what it has become. I like the changes it's seen. It, it's somewhere that's very special to me, and I, I really want to honor that by having that kind of vision, and and also to make this something that is. Uh, inviting and what Donna had mentioned about accessibility, um, it really kickstarted my work on coming up with those interpretive uh, information elements that also Marianne was talking to and and really ensuring that that's something that is can be accessible for um, either people with wheelchair access, um, people with uh, vision challenges um, in addressing 
all of those. So I'm really passionate about that. But what also goes into this um, project that is a little bit harder to describe uh, besides ritual is kind of its meaning and its context. And I was really um, motivated by trying to figure out what this name um, to get kind of means in a cultural context, because I think when people talk about land acknowledgement and traditional names, sometimes we can equivocate um, these names and ideas where maybe they don't necessarily have a, a very clean overlap conceptually. And I was thinking very hard over the winter about how I can <clears throat> make this project also demonstrate um, knowledge that gives the place name more of a, a, a historical and living context. And what I was greatly inspired by was a lot of um, linguist James Carey's work with um, uh, Peninsula elders um, kind of in the mid 20th century and finding these terms and concepts for navigational directions and routes. And something that really uh, struck me was how there is a particular point kind of in the middle of our uh, historic tribal territory, which is um, almost directly north of Kachemak City and directly east of, of the, the township of Nanilchik. And that is a visual point of reference that I know people in my family have used in both boating and also land navigation in a contemporary sense. But also I was finding evidence of its greater role in this whole um, way of thought in, in navigation. And so I kind of, based on all those perspectives, devised this uh, directional system and new kind of compass, if you can call it that, that is based around that point um, called uh, Tuyan, which is a name that I'm kind of loosely assigning it without much authority <laughs> um, uh, because it, it means uh, both a place of a high point and also a place of streams or waterways. And the reason for that is some directional terms that extend from it align with different waterways. And what is really interesting about this is it takes what this place marker is and it gives information of where it is contextually in relation to that. And so it's almost like this entry point into this system of knowledge of, of here is this place, but it also means this wider concept. And theoretically, you can reproduce this anywhere. And one of the main uh, elements of the design itself is that the number of layers that this sculpture will take um, is five. And the reason that is, is because the exact location of where it will be is five units of, of distance away from that point of reference. And so there's elements like that are, that are going to be a part of it. And it's, it is kind of hard to describe just verbally, but um, it, it's, a way to really take a look at where you are in relation to 
how you see yourself in your place. And it's also a way to um, understand that, that a lot of these place names are not exactly one for one. Um, and, and the current name Homer, it doesn't exactly line up with um, at least what we know now conceptually with what to get is, but it's, it, it's, like, a, it's like a Venn diagram. There is so much meaningful overlap and to go back to values of land acknowledgement, I think there's a lot of overlap in culture and society that people don't maybe not quite um, fully grasp or understand. So I'm hoping that this is a way to kind of bridge into that and into that um, educational aspect. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. Ivan, um, as you listen to the, the various values around location and um, concepts that Argent shares and representing um, the Ninilchik um, tribe in this capacity, what are some um, considerations that, that are important, um, they may have been stated or not, that, um, that empower um, you know, a decision to support a project like this, or that would um, that we should be very careful of and concerned about in in being um, respectful and good uh, neighbors in this process. Well, uh, thank you. Um, I've you know really appreciated and been fascinated by the discussion and. Um, you know, how much thought and uh, inspiration has went into this. Uh, I think as I listen here today and, and hear about, you know, um, access, um, signage, placement, consideration of uh, the environment, and, uh, you know, as far as uh, the inspirational message as you just, you know, go down to the beach, um, just really, <clears throat> you know, uh, really, um, intrigued by how much you guys have done to really um, put a lot of thought process into this. And so that's really, you know, as you look at uh, in land acknowledgement, it's about, you know, a recognition of our indigenous people's land and, you know, a recognition of the past and our cultural values and who we are. And so I just, I think that's, it's really a kind of an inspirational, like I say, to hear not only Argent's, um, you know, exhibit and, and, and what, what it represents, you know, for, for, for the land and the land acknowledgement, but also everyone and so many people that are involved in each aspect, you know, as far as being, you know, in a pathway where, you know, people may already be utilizing it, you know, all those things that were, were have been, you know, considered and, and are being talked about. So, um, you know, as, as an indigenous person, it's really, really exciting, not only to see the project come out, but the process, because um, it, it's really respectful and appreciative um, to, to go through such, you know, such a rigorous and, um, you know, um, thoughtful uh, way of, of looking at this. So, so I guess from the, from the tribal perspective, it's, uh, you know, not only Arjun and yourself coming and talking to us, but uh, being invited here today and hearing from everyone. Um, it, 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 it's really nice um, and, and appreciated how, how much you guys have done to, to really be so, so respectful. So we're, we're so appreciative of uh, this opportunity and to be involved. Thanks, Ivan. Well, we're just really getting going. And so um, we just essentially, um, you know, trying to set a good course on um, your protocol, you know, moving forward. 
So your continued insights and participation are, are really valued in that. As we look at next steps, I wanted to invite Matt Steffi to speak up again about what the process might look like for um, accepting a gift of a sculpture. How does that work? Certainly. So the city has a program in place for art donations, and um, there's a form that's filled out and it's submitted uh, to the city. It'll be reviewed by the Parks, Arts, Recreation and Culture Advisory Commission, and they will make a recommendation um, that will go on to city council to be approved at that level. Um, and so um, I need to chat a little bit with uh, city clerk Renee and figure out sort of the timeline. I think we've sort of roughly talked already about getting um, some information provided on the August uh, meeting for the Park Commission and then having a proposal ready to submit by the September uh, meeting for the Park Commission, which will be the third Thursday, whichever that is. Um, so that'll be the process going forward. And the um, for the, the way the form is made out, a piece of art does not have to be completed yet. Um, to be submitted and approved. So um, that's kind of the stage we'll be at is a proposed artwork and uh, we'll take it from there. Thank you, Matt. Um, I wanted to invite um, Deb and, and Robert from the Park Commission to speak up a little bit about ways that um, we can work together and what considerations should be brought to bear and to, you know, to the public in evaluating the process and merit of this kind of uh, installation. Deb, are you still with us? I am, I was going to defer to Robert to go first. Oh, thank you, <laughs> okay. All right, Deb, I guess I can do that. So as Matt said that uh, that proposal will come before Parks, Arts, Recreation and Culture Commission and we will uh, hopefully have somebody come in and speak to it. And if you have conceptual designs or ideas to present to the, the commission, that's ideal. And uh, we'll take and discuss it and decide uh, whether we, uh, at, at the next meeting, we'll vote on passing on our decision to the city council. So that, uh, and just from what I've heard here, this is gonna be an exciting uh, project. And so it's, it's good to have some speakers come to Parks and Rec and just identify with the commission and present that project. So uh, yeah, and we'll all get to know everybody. That's great. Thanks. And, and, and Argent certainly has some of those visual aids um, in diagrams, drawings, et cetera, to share. Anything you would add to that, Deb? The only thing that I might add is um, from a Parks and Rec Commission perspective, it'd be really great to know and to be able to figure out how we can, how we can help. Just the more information we receive in terms of what um, the demands on the city might be. We've talked about signage, we've talked about uh, ADA accessibility, things of that nature. So all of that would be just really important for us to know so that we can be as helpful as possible um, in it. Parking, to me, parking is a key thing because I really don't want to see vehicles blocking the visibility of, of this art piece. And so that, and that's, those are the things that the city can easily work on and help with. The other, um, 
just in, to me, I, I would love to see this project go beyond Bishop's Beach and expand out. And so what I also would love to just kind of have the opportunity to toy with is how we can take it into other areas that the city is working on, get planning um, involved and think about the whole city wayfinding concept that we're working on and build this into it. To me, that, that excites me to be able to move beyond uh, what Argent is doing and take it even a step further, but that's down the road. Um, but those are the things that in, in my mind, city can help work with. Mm, that's exciting. Donna, um, from, as a, you know, as a city council person, um, would, you, would you care to speak a little bit more about opportunities um, with respect to wayfinding in Homer and how this project could um, begin to shape a course forward? Yeah, um, first I wanna just follow up a little bit on, on what Deb and Robert were saying. Um, once once the, um, this, when it will come to the city council, it will come to the city council as a recommendation from uh, Parks Art uh, Recreation and Culture Commission. <laughs> and um, at that point, it would be, you know, we get it, we get something in our packet, it's, it's paper, it's very, you know, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's Robert's Rules of Order and, and all that stuff. So bringing some humanity to this piece of, of art when it comes to council would be really helpful. Um, obviously, I'm very involved, but there are five other council members um, who are going to be part of the decision-making body. And so if when that happens, if there, you know, if people can come, uh, maybe plan it to get be, be a visitor that day to talk about the artwork, uh, talk about its value, talk about how it can be a launching point for um, for future work um, with indigenous language and place names throughout Homer would would really bring it to life. And uh, so I'm I'm hoping that 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 can get pulled into the planning process. Um, in terms of wayfinding, you know, the city council has um, has started a, a, a wayfinding process, and it's it's really about um, helping people navigate easily around Homer and through Homer and and find the places that they need to find because Homer is laid out so strangely. <laughs> um, you can drive through the middle of Homer and not even know you've gone through the middle of Homer. So how, you know, how do people find places and how you, how do you get yourself on Pioneer Avenue and find places that you need there? How do you find Old Town um, and the places that you want to find? So that's a process that's, that's getting started. It's, um, it's kind of been put on the back burner because of uh, the current pandemic that we're all living through, but um, that will come back. And um, yeah, I think it, um, once those meetings get started, it would actually be good for, uh, for folks who are interested to be, um, um, to be a part of that process, to, to introduce indigenous place names to that wayfinding process and, um, and, and that sort of thing. Um, I'm, 
you know, like as Deb said, I'm really interested in this being kind of a launching point for Homer in general to start recognizing its true history rather than just its homesteading history and uh, start um, really em embracing the, the history and the culture that's been here for so long. And I don't know I don't know quite how to do that. I don't know quite how to introduce it. So anybody who has any ideas or thoughts on that, I'm, I'm very happy to chat about it. Thank you, Donna. Rika, I'd like to turn the um, kind of microphone to you now and ask with your experience in, in landscape architecture and design, what, could, what considerations might come next in preparing um, elevations or images that um, are useful in conveying a properly um, placed and designed and engineered project. Could you talk a little bit about that? Riga? Sure, thank you, Asia. Um, that's an interesting question that you ask. And I think, um, first I'd like to produce drawings, but I think from my sense, the less clutter and the the letting the landscape and this piece work to its best advantage is to clear up that view and in, be inspiring in itself and i think because of that location where there are many points of entry being the boardwalk the parking lot the beach um it's really a matter of highlighting what already is there and the one additional thing that we're going to add to it and how to most clearly highlight those things. And I think the signage is one thing that I'd like to work with the city on is locating that where there's an area where you can get lots of signage about, you know, no camping and, you know, dogs on leashes and all of that peripheral stuff um, in a different area and just just like in a gallery or in a any space where you're highlighting one thing and I think we're highlighting the landscape and this piece and the information that goes along with it and I guess I would just like to make it as clean and clarifying as possible and um, that I will provide drawings once we get to that point to show mm -hmm. that and, and along with photographs of, of that site. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I had more to add to that, but right now it's a, it's a, I just need to get farther along in the project. Sure. That's really helpful. Thank you. And I just want to take a moment um, to just check in with our, our listeners and other people who are present, um, Scott, Adele, um, just to, to weigh in with um, thoughts and um, concerns that we should keep in mind moving forward. If anybody would like to speak up. Thank you, Asia. Um, can you all hear me? My internet's been in and out. Yes. Oh, fantastic. Um, what a wonderful conversation. And thank you so much for uh, being here. It made me think of various things. One um, is the a, a conversation that I was able to participate in with the Pratt Museum, uh, being on the board there, um, and really under the leadership of Scott, when he was directing exhibits there, 
about an exhibit called Right Living and just all of that uh, cultural education and conveying of um, of the way people live here and how beautiful those concepts are and uh, what they have to teach um, us all about being a people here. Um, another thing I, I, I ask myself and ask you all too is are there other people who should be invited to this conversation? As we all feel grateful to participate here, are there any out there who would feel disrespected by being left out? Um, and you know, th there's certainly some things like the public process would be part of that inviting to a conversation. But I, I also think of um, you know different people who live here and who have uh, historical ties to this place, um, whether it's from across the bay or or elsewhere in the peninsula or even further. Um, and I'm excited about that wayfinding uh, uh, discussion. You know, there is there is even money appropriated. And a thing I think a, a lot is we often do these plans at the city level and sort of hire um, Agnew Beck Consultants, which are, is a wonderful Anchorage firm um, with certainly a lot of expertise. But uh, there's so much local knowledge. Um, and, you know, whether it's through design or through uh, just the concepts that have to be there. And, and that maybe is a two-layered process. I would imagine that through the city, there'll be a task force, which is kind of composed of volunteers who bring that voice. But then even like who actually makes that sort of plan and articulates what the themes are, what the, the zones are of orienting around Homer. Um, and so those are many thoughts uh, that I share with you and, and grateful for everything I've heard today. Thanks so much, Adele. I especially want to highlight your point about who might, um, you know, who else should be included and who might be, um, you know, discouraged by being left out. Scott, um, can I invite you to, to share thoughts and learnings as you've had so much experience in this area? Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry that I haven't been a part of the previous um, conversations around this topic. I'm, I'm uh, really happy to, to be learning now about it. Uh, I'm very inspired. Um, I, I just want to echo Adele. I'd love to, to find out who else can be involved in this. And I think, um, you know, reaching out to the other, other communities and other sites. Um, I love that this can be, you know, referencing Argent's, I saw an image Argent that you, you put on Facebook of this five point uh, compass, which I thought was really cool. And I love the idea of this sort of constellation of recognition. Um, that might emerge from that um, of land acknowledgement in different different parts of our of our peninsula. So I'm I'm excited to see the opportunities that might be able to grow out of that um, in a broader um, regional aspect. So, mm. wow, that's really beautiful, and I'm going to remember that phrase: constellation of recognition. Thank you for sharing that, Scott. <laughs> I want to just take a moment and clap. Um, it's a it's a marvelous thought that wraps together a lot of the different ideas that have been brought forward about um, wayfinding, recognition, history, um, and present. So um, as we're kind of winding up this hour, um, if there's anything else um, one would like to share, you know, I'm certainly invited to step forward. I have a, a few more thoughts, if that's okay, that I would just like to try to share very quickly. <clears throat> um, and this goes back to the whole concept of um, land acknowledgement as a whole. And I, and I also love what Scott just said about constellation of, of acknowledgement. That was 
so poetic. I mean, and I mean that genuinely. I'm not just being snarky. <laughs> I, I really like that. And that makes me think about um, the social implications. And one of the reasons I am so motivated to participate in these projects, and I will admit <clears throat> at the beginning, I was very trepidatious because um, our history is so complicated and it's so many layered and and who we consider insider versus outsider. Um, how are we, how do we identify ourselves in relations to neighboring groups and and all this overlap and it's just insanity. And, um, and it's so hard to talk about our uh, cultural history without getting too much into politics. And me, I'm, I like to avoid the, the P word as much as I can because I think, um, it, it, it brings up a lot of assumptions and connotations. And that's why I appreciate coming at these things from an artistic perspective so much is because it's more open. And when things are more open and we do get like what we have now with all these different um, perspectives and ideas, it really helps the discourse. And we find a lot of unexpected commonalities. And I would just like to, um, reference one person in particular uh, to kind of frame what I think land acknowledgement should also be about. And I was just uh, talking about this briefly with Asia this morning before we started. Um, and that is we part of our tribe. We also acknowledge our, our kinship that are not necessarily um, blood related and a part of our cultural groups historically. And the person I would like to bring up is my wonderful aunt Jamie um, Oskalkoff, who is the current, now the current education director of the tribal body. And she is not a, a blood relation. She is, she was married to my uncle, my, my mother's brother, Bruce, who passed away a few years ago. But for people, when we think about land acknowledgement, I like them to also consider that there are people like my wonderful aunt that we consider to be our family and our kin and also cultural representatives, even though they're not necessarily related to any groups that would speak Denina or any other language in the region. And so for us, it's so important to recognize that in uh, our tribe and also in many other tribes that, that we have this contemporary idea of what kinship is beyond just the legality. And, and I think um, Ivan would, would also echo that if, if he can kind of talk about that in a way, uh, I, I would be so appreciative. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Arjun. Um, absolutely, you know, we're at the, <clears throat> it's, it's very uh, important uh, at the tribe, you know, where uh, we would can consider ourselves to be very inclusive, you know, and we have a, a, a rich history and we, we understand our indigenous um, people's uh, values and culture with the uh, Denina Athabascan, but we also have some, you know, Aleutic and, and Supiak. We have uh, a history of including other uh, Alaska Natives and American Indians uh, into our tribe in the past, as far as uh, for membership, spouses of members. Um, and so uh, it's very important to be uh, an inclusive more, uh, more so than um, exclusive, and that includes uh, a rich history in working with the, the community um, and, and kind of incorporating um, both 
beneficiary, non-beneficiary uh, folks in our programs, our services, our outreach, our youth activities, um, educational opportunities. We really feel as a kind of a, you know, try and be more, um, you know, uh, you know, all inclusive. And, and people like uh, Jamie um, are super important, has her own um, indigenous history, but also um, brings so much value and appreciation uh, to our tribe. So um, it's, it's really, really part of our, our rich history to be, as Argent mentioned, um, to include that kinship um, and, and both in the, in the indigenous and the um, uh, you know, non-indigenous folks uh, so appreciate that, you know, mentioning that. That's really important for Nanotrick. Thank you. Well, we've come to the past the top of the hour, and I, I really just want to thank all of you for taking your time to be a part of this dialogue. And um, I guess there's one more comment from Robert, which I'm going to invite before we before I tell you about what's coming up next. Thanks. Go ahead, Robert. So Asia, I would just like to share. Uh, this map. And I don't know, the state park, Brentwood Higman has been working on this map and it is uh, probably the most comprehensive that I've ever seen of the state park across the bay. And he is endeavoring to put in the proper names for everything over there. So his maps have what you might call the <laughs> the known by name, but he's also putting the indigenous names under everything. So if somebody knows what a landmark is called by the people that settled this country centuries ago, I'm sure that he would like to know because he has a lot of things that he would like to put in there. So uh, hats off to him and, uh, and lots, lots of great things going on here. So thank you so much for this, Asia. And if I can add on to that real quick, I can definitely be of help. I have a lot of not just local knowledge, but I also have a lot of very thorough linguistic and anthropological records that I would be more than glad to help reference. Well, this has been such an exciting um, discussion as, as I um, sit here and I also see the high school art teacher Elaine Teeter in this discussion you know I'm thinking about how this spreads out into so much um, educational value right for our students and um, for our community uh, to finally have a true um, map a correct map that um, from a first people's perspective uh, describes this place is, is incredibly exciting so uh, there'll be a continuance of this dialogue um, uh, next Friday uh, at 11. I'll be speaking with Joel Isaac. He's currently working in the Department of Education, a member of the um, Kanaitse tribe, um, uh, Denina artist. We'll talk about his process in creating more than one permanent sculpture in Alaska to acknowledge Denina history, starting with the um, Kanaitse Health Clinic in Old Town Kenai, and more recently one up around Ships, Ship Creek in Anchorage. So join us um, for that dialogue. And then on August 7th, um, we finish this series with Melissa Shaganoff, who is um, uh, Atna and Paiute artist who will be talking about an ephemeral um, 
or temporary land acknowledgement project featuring hand-painted signage on private land um, to start a dialogue and awareness about the appreciation of um, landmarking uh, with indigenous names. And so um, thank you again, all of you so much and please join us uh, for future conversations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all so much. This has been enlightening. I love this vast network of people. And I just, again, really want to thank our supporters, the Community Fund of the National Performance Network, the Social Justice Fund of Alaska Community Foundation, and Rasmussen Foundation for looking forward toward permanent um, projects, installations that acknowledge our Alaska's Indigenous people. Take care. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Ivan. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye.